This sermon is brought to you by Shofar East London. Together, living out the fullness of Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. Houston, we have a problem. It's called foolishness. Foolishness. Huh? Have you ever experienced that? You said something, you did something, and it's just like, oh, no. It blows up. Relational strain, conflict. You were impulsive. You didn't think through the implications of something, and you just did it, and it just backfired on you. And you're like, oh, what? Have I done? Eh, who's that happened to? Uh, so I want to I wanna share with you this morning about the cure for foolishness. Now, when you actually realize that it was you that was foolish, then there's hope. But the height of foolishness is that you're being foolish, but you're not even realizing that it's you. You're blaming everything and everyone around you. You're not self-aware enough. So you're going through life and you're like, oh, it's my boss's fault. My spouse's fault. If you're a teenager, it's my parents' fault. If only if they would do things differently, life would be so much better for me. But it's actually you. I would say 90% of the problems in our lives, the root cause of it is me. You. Eh? You said the wrong thing at the wrong moment. Or, or you did something that you shouldn't have done. Or as I said, you did something impulsively and you didn't think through the implications. And now you have trouble. Foolishness. Foolishness. Yo. And then I'm like, oh. So it's good if you actually realize it was you. But if you don't even realize it's you. So I'm going to give us a, a few signs of foolishness. So you can self-evaluate. And God willing, be cured from foolishness. So we can all become more wise. Okay, so the series is about unlocking wisdom. Becoming wiser in our thinking and our actions. So what is the cure? What is the cure to foolishness? Do you know? It's also the foundation of wisdom. The beginning of wisdom. So years ago... Um, I, I was reading a, a book by John Bevere, and he shared the story that there was a, an account of a, an American preacher, well-known televangelist kind of guy, very famous, very influential, and uh, he really messed up, committed adultery and uh, tax evasion, and he was indicted, found guilty, and he was sent to prison. This famous, influential guy that had everything in life, he stuffed it all away. So he's in prison, and John went to see him. I think they had some connection. And so John uh, engaged with him, and, and he asked him at some point, so, uh, so, so when did you stop loving God? And he said, I never stopped loving God. He said, but I didn't fear him. I didn't fear the Lord. And so that is the cure to foolishness. It's called the fear of the Lord. Come on, say it, the fear of the Lord. Okay, so we often focus, we focus on the goodness of God, we focus on the love of God, we've sang so many songs now about the goodness of God and the love of God and God pursuing us and He'd do whatever it takes. Kick down those walls and 
bring freedom to us. I mean, that, that is who God is. He's love and he's good. He's beyond our imagination. But he's also holy. Hmm? Amen? Come on, say holy. Holy. And sometimes we forget that. And I think in our Western culture, oh, we love the goodness of God. Oh, we love the love of God. Ooh, but we don't like the holiness of God. And there's just, I think that the spirit of this age is about running from the holiness of God and to like do our own thing. And the result is foolishness. And so there's a spirit that then comes upon us. It's called the spirit of stupid. The spirit of stupid. I have been under that spirit many a time. Many, many, many a time. And then afterwards, I'm like, oh, Andre, come on. <laughs> that was just silly. Oh, praise God. I've been married to Sonica for about 22 years now. She's a very, very wise woman. And for the first about almost 10 years, I didn't really listen to her. But then after sufficient moments of spirit of stupid and pain that came with it, I realized I should ask my wife more. I should bounce things off her. You know, we need wise people around us. And so in, in me and Sonica in our, over the years, in our the conversations and we would evaluate things when things would blow up or didn't go so well or, you know, or my wife would ask me or like, Andre, do you think it was a good idea to say that or to say it like that? And they're like, oh, yeah, maybe not the best way. And then we, we reevaluate and, and, and learn. And so I've learned so much from Sonica. So even last weekend, we were in Stellenbosch, at Chauffeur Stellenbosch, and the church has been through some really challenging season. It's a very, it's like a bit of a minefield. And then some really touchy topics. And, um, and so I, <clears throat> I have grown. So I would, I, I had a plan of what I'm going to say about some of those topics. And then I decided, I'm going to bounce this off my wife. So Sonica, what do you think if I would say this? Do you think it would work? And she was like, uh, maybe not the best way. How about saying it like this? And I'm like, thank God I listened to my wife. <laughs> it would have blown up. I would have unnecessarily offended people. And instead of building bridges to hearts, I would have burned down some bridges. And they would have missed what, what God wanted to do. And so I've learned to bounce things off people. If you, if you walk with a wise, you will become wiser still. And so what I've also learned is that foolishness often flows from the flesh. The flesh. The spirit of stupid. When you're in the flesh, the spirit of stupid comes upon you. And so how this works is sometimes you have certain strengths, but when that strength is unredeemed, meaning you're in the flesh, that strength makes you foolish. It becomes a weakness, you know? So, I mean, there's a few things in my life that, you know, that, that, that are strengths. Like one of the things that's a strength is I make things happen. I make things happen. If I put my mind to something, I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to make it happen yesterday. That's a strength. I'm going to make it happen. But now the weakness, the fleshly part of that strength is I am impatient. And then you do silly things. Like uh, this Thursday, I, I've been sorting out my office and uh, I've, I've bought a new, um, like new lamp 
new lights, a new light fixture, and a dimmer. And I was like, yo, we're going to sort this thing out. Now, I know the electrician is coming this coming week. But I'm like, I want to sort this Thursday. I know I should rather wait. But I'm like, hey. So my friend Trevor is there. And I'm like, Trevor, can you do? Because I shouldn't touch it. But can you? Change light fixtures. And he said, yes. So anyway, we change it. We change the switch. Works like a bomb. Trevor leaves. Ten minutes later. Bam. Power off. Everything is just like. Dup, 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 dup. I'm like, no. And I'm like, oh, impatient. Should have waited for next week. But I wanted it done now. So I phoned the electrician. Contact Trevor. Trevor comes back later for about an hour. I'm like, oh, man, the impatience. Anyway, so Trevor drilled through a cable somewhere, and that cable was tripping. So we fixed it. We fixed it. But it was almost big issues. But I realized this is my impatience. I want to make it happen. I want to make it happen yesterday. And that can cause action. Another area that's a strength in my life is I speak quite easily. And I share from the heart. I would easily share things and I share my weaknesses. That's my strength. Now, the weakness is that I would share too much. <laughs> so, over the years, and that's why my wife, she, she, she's very much self-controlled. She thinks before she speaks. I'm like, I speak and then I think <laughs> about what I said. And, um, and so, around 10, 11 years ago... We were just new in East London. I, we did, I, I counseled a couple, and they didn't have a living relationship with Jesus. And they were struggling in their marriage, and, uh, and, and, and it was a, a really a sensitive journey. At some point, the, the couple, they were at our home, and they committed their lives to Christ, and we could really speak into their marriage. It was such a breakthrough. It was so beautiful when they like, were willing to surrender their lives to Christ. And so I was like, okay, right, we need help for them. And so they have a friend who's in church, who's a committed believer. So I was like, okay, I'm going to speak to the friend of the guy. And I'm going to say, hey, they've given their lives to Christ. Awesome. And uh, they're struggling in their marriage. Um, but, you know, come and help and pray and walk a road with, with this guy. So it made complete sense to me <laughs> at first. And then I realized, but I didn't ask permission from the guy to... Uh, to inform his friend about what's happening in their lives and that their marriage is struggling. I didn't think that they would be sharing confidential information. And so the friend reached out to his friend and the friend freaked out completely. Disastrous. It was like game over. Wouldn't answer my calls, didn't come to church anymore. It was like, I cannot trust you. Ah. Yeah, I felt bad for weeks because it felt like I sent someone to hell because of my lack of self-control and wisdom to know what should I share, what should I not share. So, and we all have certain strengths, but when those strengths are unredeemed, we can find ourselves hurting people, and that's the impact of foolishness. It's like I felt like a guy, like ah, oh, Andre, come on, <laughs> foolishness. Foolishness tend to, you hurt yourself and you tend to hurt the people around you. 
But a very good starting point is to humble yourself and to acknowledge, I am foolish at times. Okay, that's a good starting point. Instead of blaming the world, I'm a victim of the world. It's everybody else. Everybody else, but it's not me. Okay, so come on, let's say it together. I can be foolish. Amen, you need to, you need to. Humility is that starting point. Starting point. If we want to, so, so let's trust the Lord this morning to be cured, cured from foolishness. Okay, so where do we start? Proverbs 9 verse 10 reveals the foundation of wisdom. It says, the fear of the Lord is the foundation. Come on, say foundation of wisdom. So it's like the beginning, the starting point of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. So that's so powerful. The one side says foundation. Other part says knowledge of the Holy One. Not the knowledge of the love of God. Knowledge of the goodness of God. Although that's wonderful, but that's not the key to good judgment. The key is to know the holiness of God. He's holy. Holier than we can imagine. Perfect beyond imagination. And when we know the holiness of God, it brings sanity to our minds. It delivers us from the spirit of stupid, which is wonderful. Okay, so, and the fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. So here's a picture of a a building's foundation. So here's quite a big building that's being built. Now you can imagine, think about like a 50-story building. Huge, massive. Now imagine the foundation is cracked or broken. Well, it's going to look amazing for about a year maybe until a massive storm comes and the whole thing comes tumbling down. And I feel that's what sometimes happens. There are people in this world that they look successful. They look as if they're achieving so much. It seems so impressive. And then everything comes tumbling down. Why? The foundation. The foundation. The foundation of wisdom, true wisdom. It's the fear of the Lord. It's an understanding of the holiness of God. And understanding that there is a creator that made everything and he designed this world and the the principles, the laws of, of this world. He is God and he is holy. And if we don't get our foundation right, you might have so much knowledge. You might know everything about everything. You'll still be a fool. You can have a, a, you know, five doctorates. Know everything about everything. You have knowledge, but you're still foolish. Because wisdom isn't knowledge. True wisdom is knowledge rightly applied. And only the fear of the Lord gives us the right context so that we would know how to apply the knowledge of God in the right way. So knowledge of the Holy One. So not only just knowledge, is knowledge of the Holy One. Come on, say knowledge of the Holy One. Knowledge of the Holy One. It's like when you discover who He is, it imparts the, the spirit of the fear of the Lord into our lives. And then we can make better 
decisions. Okay, so let's get cured of foolishness. Amen. Okay, so Proverbs 9, verse 4 to 6. This is good news. This is lady wisdom. And she's calling out in the street. She's declaring. She's saying, hey, come. All you simple ones. All those who are foolish, come. Come. So it says, whoever is simple, let him turn in here. For him who lacks understanding... She says to him, come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine I've mixed. Forsake foolishness and live and go in the way of understanding. So there's an invitation from the spirit of wisdom. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of Christ. And he's calling out and saying, hey, all you who are foolish, all you who lack understanding, come and grow. Now, this is really good news. It doesn't matter how foolish we might be or how ignorant, or how irresponsible, or how whatever we, wherever we might find ourselves right now, there is an invitation, and it says, come, and you're going to grow. And then it speaks about this, eat, come and eat my bread, come and drink of, of the wine I've mixed. And I, and I believe part of what that implies is, is like simply this, if we feed on the word of God, you're going to become wiser. The more you expose yourself to the words of the wise one, God's, you're going to become wiser. You're going to, you're going to find more understanding. And I just realized over the years, the more I'm in the word of God and studying the word of God and surrounding myself with wise people so I can get feedback in terms of my, my lifestyle, my behavior, I become wiser. Okay, so quickly, a few signs of being foolish. Six signs. Praise God. Number one, ignoring advice. When you consistently ignore the advice of people who have more experience or expertise than you, it could be a sign of foolishness. And for most of us, I don't know how this thing works, but it just, just seems like foolishness tends to be more with us when we are younger. That's my observation. It's like you are 16 years old and you're going on to 56 Because you know. What do my parents know? I know. I've been like around the block like never. (laughs) But I know. I tell you, just this just this one fact. Just somebody that has more life experience, we can learn from them. We can learn from them. That not even believers necessarily, not even know, you know, the word of God. And I remember even growing up, I, I just realized, you know, when I was younger, I was like, I judged my parents because they weren't like believers in Christ. And I was like, you know, I just like, I know. So I was a really foolish young believer for quite a few years. And I caused a lot of destruction in my family. And I judged my parents. And I pushed them away. I was an arrogant, arrogant, proud young believer. Oh, I wish I could go back <laughs> and redo that. But I, but I realize it's just something that comes with, with youth. We tend, and I think this is our culture as well. In our culture right now, we tend to look down on the aged. For some reason, if you're young and hip and cool, you know. And I realized I, was, I had that mindset. Even as a young pastor 10 years ago or so, I would look down upon the age. I wouldn't say it, but I would, uh, you know, 
And now, now, wow, I can see the change in myself. You know, um, a month or so ago, um, one of the really respected pastors, uh, Chris Fenter, who started the founder of Christian Center, you know, he, he came at coffee at our home. He's 80 years old. And he is gunning it for Jesus, you know, overseeing pastors and living for the Lord. It is such an inspiration. So he comes to my home, and I realized 10 years ago, I would have looked down upon, you know, old fuddy-duddy, 80 years old, you know. I wouldn't say it, but it's like an attitude. It's an attitude. Like, you know, the, the, the young bocca is now here. We do it, you know. But it's a terrible attitude. And it was here at a, at a house and, and we were sharing and he was sharing some of his experiences where things have been happening. And the next moment, the presence of God just fills that, that environment. I'm like, God is here. And I said, Chris, you need to pray for me right now. You know, I went over to the couch and I just said, hey, pray for me. You carry something on your life. Yo, it was amazing. There was an impartation of grace from his life into my life. But I realized 10 years ago, I would have missed it. Because I didn't have, I was just foolish. I was just foolish. And I say, and I tell you something, that just with age should come more wisdom. Because you've just had more pain. <laughs> more pain and pain shakes us out of our foolishness. And we realize we need grace. We need the grace of God in our lives. So as we become older, we should become more humble and wiser. And so I want to encourage our young people, please listen to your parents. All the parents say, amen, 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 amen. Because you don't need to. You don't need to. Enjoy. Pain and pain and pain, disappointment and angry at the world. Now it's you. It's just you. It's your foolishness. <laughs> Not listening. You know, and so all of us, we need, we need, if we want to be free from foolishness, if we want to be cured from foolishness, we first need to evaluate ourselves. Are we ignoring advice? You're going into a relationship. It's not a healthy relationship, and the people around you are starting to say, hey, are you sure? Parents are like, no, we're not sure. Please don't. And you're like, I know. <laughs> I know. <sighs> okay, well, enjoy. <laughs> we want to be set free. We want to be cured from foolishness. Okay, so the first sign of being foolish is you ignore advice. Secondly, you repeat the same mistakes. So there's this pattern in your life of doing the same things. Broken relationships or foolishness, things that are repeating the same mistakes. In other words, you're not learning. You're not growing. So if these patterns, you say, hey, I'm being foolish. There's this, like, this, 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 you know, maybe you're from one job to the next. And you're changing jobs. And it's always a disaster. It's like, oh, all these businesses are disasters. No, 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 there's a, there's a line here. There's, there's somebody that's the same all year around here. You! <laughs> you know, so maybe you're going to change your attitude. Maybe you're going to change the way you speak or how you respect your, 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 your bosses or your leaders. Maybe you're going to change the way you relate to the people around you. Maybe you need to learn how to handle conflict better. You know, so you need to evaluate what's the, what's the common denominator here? Like the seventh marriage. <laughs> what common denominator? You. Okay. So, repeating the same mistakes. Number three, being overly confident. 
It's just like, yeah, I know, I've got this. Just feel like, oh, you, you know, overly confident. It's like the, the older I get, the more I'm like, the grace of God, that's what I need. <laughs> I cannot do this without the grace of God. As we become older, we should be less confident in self, more confident in the Lord. Amen. Number four, not seeking help, not asking, not asking. You know, as I said, I asked Sonica, okay, right, I'm walking into a minefield. I'm going to share about this. What do you think? Just bounce something off. Or you write that email or that WhatsApp, just bounce it off somebody else. I've read, written so many emails. I'm like, ah, maybe I should ask my wife to check. Like, and then she reads it. And she's like, ooh, maybe. And I'm like, thank God. You know, she helped me. Making impulsive decisions. Guys, going to the shop. You come home. Big TV. 75 inch. Hallelujah. You carry it through the front door. You did not speak to your wife about this. You do not have the money for this. And say, honey, I bought something for you. No, you did not. You bought it for yourself. Honey, you're going to watch it. Goli. It's going to be wonderful. No, you want to watch. Unwise. Making impulsive decisions. No, you should have some things in place. My wife and I, we've got things in place when it comes to finances. If we buy anything over a certain amount, we check it with one another. We make sure it's not on credit. We first, we save. We wait until it is time. Take this from the pit of hell. Don't be impulsive. Wait. Save. Otherwise, you're going to be foolish. And then being easily influenced. If we allow the opinions of people to sway us the whole time, it's a sign of foolishness. It's like you listen to your parents, or you listen to your pastor, or you listen to somebody wise, and then you don't like what you're hearing. So you go to your friend. What do you say? Yeah, 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 yeah. Do it wrong like this. Yes. Foolish. 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 And it's just going to lead to pain. So Lady Wisdom cries out and says, hey, if all you simple ones who lack understanding, come. Come grow in wisdom. Be cured of foolishness. Come and receive. And so Proverbs 4 verse 19 Speaks about the wicked. Now, the wicked is simply those who live in disobedience to God. So if we live in disobedience, if you disobey God's commands, darkness comes upon your heart and mind. The flesh takes over. Foolishness flows from the flesh. So the way of the wicked is like darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. They don't. They know they're stumbling and they know this is painful, but they don't know why. Because they don't haven't embraced the context. They haven't embraced the word of the Lord. Haven't embraced the big context of who God is. He's holy. And if we disobey and, and go contrary to his commands, we find ourselves stumbling and falling. Right. So let's go a little bit deeper. So life is a gift from creator God. It's a gift. We do not deserve it. But by the love of God, the grace of God he has given us. This gift of life. 
Now, every one of us will give an account for our lives one day. In other words, the word of God says, unto man it is appointed to die once and then judgment. In other words, you're going to stand before God one day on your own, can't blame anyone. And he's going to say, what did you do with what I gave you? What did, what did you do with all you've heard in life? What did you do? You see, but then we have all these arguments, these beliefs to sort of ignore that facet of the holiness of God. Here's a powerful quote. Wood, Woodrow Kroll says, only a fool thinks he can fool God. You can put that on. Only a fool. Only a fool thinks he can fool God. Only a fool thinks he can fool God. What do I mean? You see, God knows all, and he sees all, and he rewards all. God knows all. He knows everything. He knows right now what's going th- what you're thinking. He knows right now whatever is happening in secret in your life. He knows it. He knows it. And there's a reward, good and bad. There's a reward coming. You know, I don't know if you guys have heard of this. There's this app called Covenant Eyes. And it's uh, something you install on your phone and your computer. And it takes screenshots of everything you do. And then it sends a report to a friend of everything that's appeared. Like 100 shots per minute kind of thing. It takes shots. It evaluates it. And then it sends it to a friend. So now me, my, myself and uh, Heinrich Titus, the leader of Shofar, we're accountability partners. Yo, I love this app. Because it's like, I know, it's like somebody is sitting next to me right now. My friend, the leader of Shofar, is like sitting next to me and he's peering over my shoulder and he's like, what are you doing? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Because I know there will be accountability. Because I know that there will be implications. So if I, I click on something that I should not be clicking on, the screenshot will go to my friend, and I will receive a phone call. Andre, how are you doing? Like a man. <laughs> and that has happened once where I, it was, it was a mistake on the report. But anyway, it was beautiful. <laughs> Super awkward. <laughs> but that's the power of knowing someone sees everything you're doing. It immediately delivers you from the spirit of stupid. Because there's somebody there. You see, we, we, flesh flourishes when we think we're going to get away with it. When we think we're going to get away. We're going to just tax evade a little bit. Going to get away with it. You know, and then we're like, hmm, let's give it a shot. You know, that's with the flesh. The flesh leads to foolishness. And so I, I love this, this app on all our devices at home, and we have this covenant eyes. It's just incredible because it's like accountability. But for me, it's a picture of the fear of the Lord. God sees. He sees what you're thinking. He knows what you're doing in secret. He sees it, and he will reward us. So I tell you, I have the fear of God on my life. I know I have a responsibility before the Lord to live a life of purity and holiness with no compromise. Because I know 
He loves me. He loves me so much. He will expose me. So if I compromise a little bit, little bit, little bit, I'm like, ooh, he's going to expose me. So I'm too afraid. I repent quickly. Walk in the light because I know the fear of the Lord delivers us from evil. It is wonderful. I love it. I love the holiness of God because it's not just like, oh, God is so holy and I don't qualify. I love his holiness because he imparts his holiness to me. I don't qualify on my own behavior. I don't qualify for his goodness and his holiness. But I know if I, you know, if I, it's one thing to say, Lord, I love your love and I want to soak in your love and be baptized in your goodness. That's wonderful. It's beautiful. It heals us on the inside and brings us security. But there's another aspect of leaning into his holiness. I love his holiness. I'm not afraid of his holiness in a bad way. I'm like, I am afraid in a good way. But I love his holiness because as I draw into his holiness, he makes me holy. And he delivers me from stupid. Amen? And I hate stupid. Because <laughs> it's, just, it's just people, it's just painful. Okay, so he rewards righteousness. So whatever you do in secret, if it's good, he's going to reward you, even if no one sees. You know, I've been through seasons where people treated me like dirt. And, you know, I could, like, respond back to them, like, oh, I'm going I'm to be nasty back. But I didn't. I humbled myself. I forgave. And I would be respectful and honoring towards those who were ungodly towards me. And then at some point, I would stand somewhere on my own. I would look up and I said, God, did you see that? Did you see that? Because I know there's a reward coming. If I honor the Lord when no one sees he will reward you in public. He will reward you in public. Everybody will know God is worth this person. He rewards. But in the same way, if there are secret things happening and compromise, and we're sowing the, bad, the wrong things over and over again, there will be consequences. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. Death. So it's people that do sin, it's the spirit of stupid. Why would you want to do sin? Because it's so enticing. Eh? It's like, oh, it's going to be so wonderful. So wonderful, so wonderful, so wonderful. And then you do it and you're like, oh, that sucked. Sin sucks. It's terrible. It doesn't produce life. It doesn't produce peace. It doesn't produce joy. The ultimate fulfillment is life is to know him. He is the source of life. And so this passage speaks about it. Galatians 6, verse 7 to 10. It says, do not be deceived. Hey, don't be a fool. Don't be a fool. Don't let the spirit of stupid come on you. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. God is not mocked. Only a fool thinks he can fool God. It says, for whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. If you're sowing lust, 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 porn, 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 it's going to be adultery, adultery, adultery. It's going to reap. You're going to reap. If you sow uh, dishonor and dishonor and gossip and strife and speaking negatively and badly about people behind their backs, you're sowing dishonor and you will reap humiliation. It will destroy your relationships because you're being dishonoring towards God's holiness. But if we sow good seeds of humility, of repentance, of walking in the light and of confessing our sins and repenting of ungodly words or ungodly behavior, you will receive a reward. Of honor in the kingdom of God. It is beautiful. 
But it says, for he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. That's wonderful. Wonderful. So here's a picture of a lion. So imagine a young rebel, overconfident, all-knowing, 16 going on 66. A picture of that would be like he's at the zoo. There's a lion. And he's so cocky because there's a fence between him and the lion. Hey, lion, come on, bite me, bite me. And the lion's like, and you're like, ah, can't touch me. eh? And he's strutting around like, I know. I'm so cool. I'm so overconfident. And he walks down the fence. And at some point, he comes to an open gate. And the lion attacks. The lion roars and he comes. I tell you, that is, and he pounces. The lion pounces upon him. That is a picture of the judgment of God, the wrath of God. But what do we do? We have all these arguments in our head. We build this fence. Between us and the judgment of God. We're like, oh, but God is good. Oh, but God is love. Oh, but God loves me so much. He understands my heart. He understands the, the, how complicated my life is. So he, he understands if I would live like this contrary to his word. But he loves me. He understands. Oh, I'm really a good person. You know, so I can live how I want to live. There will be no consequences. Or whatever else. All these arguments. I tell you, there's no fence high enough. There's no fence big enough to keep you and me from the judgment of God. Except for the cross of Christ. Except for us humbling ourselves and falling upon the cross of Christ. Confessing, Lord, I am not a good person. I am not holy enough. I do not qualify for your love, your mercy, your goodness. I fall upon the cross and I say, Lord... Give me mercy. Deliver me from foolishness. You are God and I am not. Humility. Humility. So what arguments are you putting in your head of why you can live in rebellion or disobedience and blatant sin and there will be no consequences? What are you? There's no fool as great as those who think they can fool God. The lion. The judgment of God. Foolishness, it might seem from our perspective, and we make all these arguments, especially in Western society, as I said, we love the love of God, we love the goodness of God, but when it comes to the holiness of God, we're like, yeah, I don't like that, I don't like that, I can live like I want to, and no, you can't, you can't, but the fear of the Lord delivers us from foolishness, and that's why I love the fear of the Lord, because it's instantaneous deliverance from stupid, stop, <laughs> no, don't do it, don't go down that path. And the fear of the Lord causes us to hate sin. Hate it. Hate it. I hate sin. You know, I love people, but I hate sin in my own life. I'm like not acceptable because I know it disconnects me from God. It makes me stupid. You know, it brings a darkness on the soul. I want to be wise. I want to be obedient to God. I want to bring honor to his life. So we need to hate, hate sin. And then that scripture continues It says, don't grow weary. Let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season, we shall reap if we do not lose heart. You see, short term, it 
it doesn't seem like obedience to God and the fear of the Lord and wisdom that that's a good option. Short term, it doesn't seem like you're going to get promotion. Short term, it feels like, hey, take a bribe. Short term, hey, cut some corners. Short term, it seems like it's the best way to get ahead in life. Cut corners and do what you want to do. But I tell you, long term, you will reap a reward from heaven if you remain faithful to him. If you remain faithful to your spouse. If you remain honoring to the authorities in your life, whether your parents or you know, leaders or whoever. Over time, it's like they were at at Vian School. They gave out prizes. They had like a prefect um, assembly. And they were giving out prizes in the school for variety of random things. Now, he's grade nine. And then they gave him the prize for the best example in the school. I'm like, yo. Now, it's not the coolest, but I tell you, wow, that the matrix would see in a grade nine boy that this young man is an example of how to speak to teachers, of how to live a good and honoring life. I'm like, goodness gracious, my boy, high five. But you're going to win. You stay on track. I know it's not cool now. I know it'd be more cool. You're the most rebellious teenager in school. Yeah. 20 years from now, you win. Others, suicidal, third marriage, if they get married, financial crises, chaos. Because of a lack of the fear of God. So the fear of the Lord is beautiful. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. It says, do not lose heart. So you need to sometimes make tough decisions. God is not as sentimental as us. We're like, but I love him. Jesus says, follow me. He's not sentimental. If Father God was willing to send his own son to die on a cross, and he says, pick up your cross and follow me, he's not sentimental. You need to make tough decisions at times. You need to walk out of certain ungodly friendships. You need to walk out of ungodly romantic relationships. You need to move and follow Jesus. If you want to have eternal rewards, if you want to be truly blessed. So you need to make this tough, hard decisions. Again, only a fool thinks he can fool God. Now, some of us might say, you, there's a lot of Old Testament preaching happening here today. (laughs) So let's look at New Testament. Jesus' own words, Luke chapter 12, verse 4. And then I say, and I say to you, this is Jesus. And I say to you, my friends, hey, I love you. Let me give you the truth. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body. Don't be afraid of people. Don't buckle under the pressure of the opinions of man. Who cares what the world says about a topic? If the, if, if the whole world was saying something that is contrary to the word of God, guess where I'm standing? I'm standing on the word of God. You can mock me. You can accuse me. You can whatever. I will stand on the word of God. You know, this last weekend in Stellenbosch, the church was just rocked by the presence and the power of God. I mean, the people told me like they've never experienced miracles and the power of God like they did this past weekend. People being delivered from the demonic, bodies being healed, many coming to Christ, the kingdom of God flooding in. <laughs> and they say they can't believe that I'm preaching these things from the pulpit. Because normally it's like behind the scenes stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I'm just too unsophisticated. If the Lord says it, I'm going to do it. 
I just check it with my wife first. Should I say it like that? Should I say it like that? But I'm going to, if it's the word of God, I'm going to preach it. If it's the word of God, I'm going to declare it. I'm going to follow the Lord because I fear him. And the fear of the Lord delivers us from the opinions of man. Because I know there's a reward coming. I want to stand in heaven one day and the Lord says, good and faithful servant. The Lord can, the Lord is looking for people across the, the body of Christ. Who's going to obey him? Who's going to follow him? I'm like, pick me, pick me. I'm in. I want to honor you. And I've seen the fruit. It is liberating. But it says, do not be afraid of those who kill the body. Don't listen to what people say. If it's contrary to the word of God. And after that, have no more that they can do. They can maybe kill you. Worst case scenario. But in our culture, it's just they'll mock you. They'll persecute you. They'll whatever. But, it is, but I will show you whom you should fear. This is Jesus Christ. His words. He says, fear him who after he has killed has power to cast into hell. Yes. I say to you, fear him. Jesus saying, my friends, let me help you. Because Jesus knows when the spirit of stupid comes upon us, it's like somebody, you're driving in your car and you're falling asleep at the wheel. And you're like on your way to drive off a cliff. The fear of the Lord is like putting a horn next to your head and it's like making a noise like, wake up! Fear of God wakes you up. It's like, turn, turn, turn. The fear of the Lord wakes us up from the implications of the spirit of stupid, from the foolishness of life. I love it. (laughs) You can throw everything away. You can throw everything that's valuable to you in your life. You can throw it away when you allow foolishness to come upon you and you follow down. You go down that path. So allow the fear of the Lord to wake you up. Earthly pain will pass, but eternal pain is forever. So the fear of the Lord is like an anointing, is a part of the Holy Spirit that comes upon us and immediately makes us more aware of eternity, reduces the opinions and the voices of people, and amplifies the greatness and the glory of God. And it opens the way for signs and wonders and miracles, next level miracles. Where the fear of the Lord is, I tell you, revival breaks out. It's incredible. So last passage, Proverbs 9, 15 to 18, ending off with this. So as there is the spirit of wisdom, lady wisdom, calling out the simple ones, those who lack understanding come. In the same way, there's another spirit, the spirit of stupid that calls out. And it says to call to those who pass by. And it's in the form of an adulterous woman. To call to those who pass by, who go straight on their way. It says, whoever is simple, the foolish ones, hey, come over here. Let him turn in here. And as for him who lacks understanding, she says to him, stolen water is sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. Just like, hey, foolish ones lacking understanding of the fear of God and the word of God. It's going to be so nice. Secret, stolen water. So nice. So nice. And then it draws in. You see, that's how sin comes. That's how temptation comes. It looks so attractive and it sells its deal. Like, hey, just, you know, imagine rather being with somebody else than your spouse. Just go down that path. Just allow your imagination to, to see yourself with somebody else. Or imagine it, it draws you in. And then it says, but he does not know. That the dead are they. Spiritually dead. 
dead, the dead. When you give in to sin, when you give in to the spirit of stupid or foolishness, and you go down that path, you find yourself disconnecting from God. You find yourself dying spiritually, and you find yourself in trouble. But he does not know that the dead are there, and her guests are in the depths of hell. That's the end result. If you go down that path, darkness overwhelms. You you have guys here in church committed adultery, prostitution, confess and repent, and then gone. The darkness overwhelmed. Probably justifying themselves with a hundred different arguments. I'm good. I'm a good person. God is love. Why should I? I want to have my secrets still. And that part leads to the depths of hell. And so we see this. I mean, Solomon, he was the wisest man ever. I think he became the most foolish person on the planet. Because <laughs> the word of God said that kings, he was a king, kings sh- should not hoard gold. Man, he hoarded gold. He had so many armies in terms of horses and chariots. and also said should not be hoarding the army. Shouldn't put it to trust. No. But the worst was he had 700 wives. Can you get more stupid than that? 300 concubines, like a thousand women. I'm like, God, one, one is more than enough. (sighs) Hallelujah. You know, and my wife, she's got standards. So often I try to justify myself. I'm like, yeah, but other husbands do it like this. And she's like, we did not compare ourselves to mediocrity. (laughs) I'm like, okay, okay, up the game, (laughs) up the game. Just to, you know, to, to value one woman and love her and celebrate her and serve her and be a good husband. That is more than enough. But the man Solomon gave into his flesh and foolishness flows from the flesh. And so he became an absolute fool because he, he married women who worshiped other gods. He, 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 he surrounded him with bad company and bad company corrupts and it was destructive. It was destructive. So this is so important. You need to surround yourself with wise. You need to be unsentimental and just follow the Lord. Sometimes you need to walk out of ungodly friendships, ungodly relationships. Unless you are married, you can't walk out. You have to make it work. Amen. You made your bed, now lie in it. Okay, you have to make it, you have to trust the Lord. It's a covenant for life. It's for life. But it says he does not know. So this is the, the, the deception, the foolishness, that, that as you go down the path of foolishness, he not, does not know that the dead are there and, the, and that her guests are in the depths of hell. Such a challenge. But I tell you, that's why I love the fear of God. It's just like, boom, I'm just delivered from the spirit of stupid. It's beautiful. Amen. Thank you for listening. Find more on Shofar East London's podcast channel. Let's do life together.